0: Hello, and welcome to Loft Podcast. We are so excited about today's message. This week, we are starting a new series called God So Loved. Get ready to have your thinking challenged and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. Hey, good morning. Good morning, good morning. You ready for the Word of God today? We're going to be looking at a scripture that's probably preached more than any other scripture anywhere and, and I don't know if you are familiar with how we do our giving and tithing and stuff here, but what we do is whenever we feel it, we go back and, and see Angie. It has the square back there. You can run your credit card. You can drop something in an envelope and give it to her, however you want to do it. But if you're a guest, take a pass. We got you today. If you're a guest and God speaks to your heart to give, please do it. You want to be in a covenant with God. You want to have your finances deep in the, in the, in the heart of what God wants to do with money. And not just because I'm a preacher and I want your money. I don't want your money. I want your soul. I, I want way more than your dollar. I want your ever-loving commitment to God to follow him with all of your heart, to turn a page in your life that you don't care what it looks like anymore, that maybe you used to live over there, but you're going to turn the page and follow after the maker of your heart 100%. So I want a whole lot more than money, but I do want that too because I want that for you. I'm already in a covenant with God. I already am bought with the price. I already have my mind set on what What Heaven has to say about finance, do you we like to say it like this, what's in your wallet, and maybe you can go ahead and put your money where your mouth is about Jesus and about faith? It's like do you wear a cross on your neck but you don't follow Jesus? Why don't you take it off and eat it because it'll do you more good that way? You have to get your whole self into what God has called you to do, and tithing and giving are part of that. We say that online now because we have found that it stirs people that watch us online and on Facebook and on other social media and on our podcast to go ahead and support the work that we do here. What work? I'm glad you asked. It's not really Mission Sunday. We don't have a Mission Sunday per se where we only talk about missions. We are the mission and we talk about these things intermittently all the time. So if you look on this board back here, there's a lot of photographs of People that live on the other side of the world, half of their lives, in Malawi, Africa, that are rescuing little girls from sex trafficking, taking daughters out of harm's way. And we support that work. This is a global community right here. Y'all look around. This church reaches the world, the other side. It's powerful. It's not because we're great. It's because when we put everything we have in his hand, we become great in his hand, by his hand. I'm preaching better than you're responding, but that's okay. God will catch it up to you eventually. So we're starting a new series today. We're calling it For God So Loved the World. So I was going to start off with a scripture that some of you may be familiar with if you've you've been in church any time at all. The scripture is John 3.16. It's probably preached more than any scripture anywhere. If you tune into the Super Bowl, you'll see John 3.16. Somebody will throw a banner over the edge where they're sitting. Or people talk about it all the time. It says this for God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would never die but have eternal life and I think in this day and age we say that we're Christian and that we serve a God or we love a God that we really don't know I think we, we have an ethereal kind of idea like, like we mentally ascend to God in heaven the this, this spirit of God or, or this overarching presence of God you know but do we know God? Do we know him? Do we know who he is? And I would just challenge us that we, we probably don't know him like we, like we think we do. Because for me, the closer I get to God, the longer I walk with God, I feel like the more I have to learn about God. He continues to open up something new to my life and show me another, just another surface of the diamond of the facets of his personality. Just another piece of the puzzle. Now, the ladies just got away a couple weeks ago. And in our time away, we studied from the scripture where Jesus is asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? They had come back after you know, evangelizing, and they were saying, hey, people are calling you a prophet. They're calling you a a great teacher, a rabbi. And Jesus said, well, who do you say that I am? And this is where Peter comes up with the line, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And Jesus says, well, I'm going to build my church on that. Not on you, Peter, but on the revelation that you understand who I actually am. That people might know me. And I believe God wants us to know him. Now, this is a three-point message today for, out of For God So Love the World. Who is God? What is love? And what world does he love? Because sometimes you look around this world and you think, wow, God. How can you love this world and what it's become? The chaotic mess and the trouble overseas and all the things that we're, that we're seeing and experiencing in our life today. How could you love it? God loves people. God loves the people that make up the earth like nothing else. We are his thoughts. You know, when you're in love, when you're in a new love, it's all you can think about. It's all you can think about is the other person all the time. When you have a baby, a new baby comes. All you can think about So I could think about is the baby, a little baby. There's nothing else. The whole world stops to look in the eyes of your little baby and to raise your little baby. It's it's profoundly impactful. So for God, he describes himself as a father. He describes himself as the Messiah. He describes himself as the king, right? We're going to describe him like in a couple words that are big, but they're They're Bible words, but they're powerful words, and they're right-now words. Omnipresent, omnipotent, omnipotent, however you want to say it. I like omnipotent. I know that's not grammatically correct, but it is power correct, okay? If God is omnipresent, he's everywhere all the time. How does he do that? How can he be everywhere all the time? Well, he's God. See, the definition of God is God. It's, It's everything, everywhere, all the time. He's huge, and he's holy, and he's personal. How do you get something holy to become personal? That's what we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. Not You can't learn all this in one day. We can't sit here for 30 minutes and get everything about who God is. There's no way. Anybody who would even try to tell you that is cuckoo. God is too big to be able to explain in one little setting. And plus what God might be to me and for me might be something totally different than what he is to you and for you. Because God becomes what you need in the moment you need it. And even bigger than that, God becomes what he knows you need in the moment that you need it, whatever facet might be. I was on the radio recently with one of my friends, and they asked a question. I didn't know it was going to be all about me. I'm really good at asking other people about themselves, and most of us are. But she started asking questions about me. Who are you? You know, who, who are you? Let's talk a little bit about you. And I thought, well, who am I? I mean, it's a big question. It's humbling, too. How do you, how do you describe yourself? And, and you're on the radio, so you want to sound kind of humble, you know, and you want to, want to give kind of a picture that represents who you are. And I said, well, for me, I'm, I mean, I'm a daughter of God, number one. I am a lover and pursuer of God. I, I, I'm a Jesus freak. I'm after him. I'm after his heart. Number one, who else am I? I'm a visionary. I can see things like how they should, should be and maybe help them come to pass with a team around me. I can execute a team pretty good. I'm a leader I feel like i'm a I'm an artist I am those things to describe attributes I'm passionate you know i'm I'm very opinionated, very bold if you're going to describe it what I do is not necessarily who I am, but what I do is so connected to who I am I'm a pastor I have this small church I love it love the people in it and i have a i have outlook you know to help people that are victims of abuse and neglect and Hard circumstances to help them recover. And so I was thinking about that moment of trying to answer, who am I? And then I thought about this. We're going to be talking about God and God loving the world and who is God. And God, whoo, we can describe his attributes. We can describe that he's loving and caring, that he's a protector, that he's a provider, that he is the hope of the world, that he's our savior, that he is the one that made us and the one that sees us through. He continues to lead us. Those are attributes God is not just a lover. God is actually love. God is not just a provider. He is provision. You know, God is not just, just a leader. He is the future. He is the future. He's not just a hope for the future. He is the future. See what I'm saying? God has an essence about him that is the definition of the things that we describe him as. So anytime you've ever loved, you got that because God is love. And he represents that in the earth today. He brings his power to the earth today. So for me, my family loves me. Your family loves you. I love them. How do I know? Because love is like God, invisible. How do I get in in love and up close and personal with an invisible God? Well, I know that my family loves me not just because they text that to me or they say that to me now and then, I know that they love me by the way they speak to me, the way they pursue me, the way they connect with me. They come to my home. They wrap their arms around me. They kiss me on the cheek. They love me. They speak well of me. They exchange presents. I know they love each other by the gifts they exchange, by the words they exchange, by the time they spend together. I can see the love. The love part is invisible, but the action that is represented is very tangible and very physical and very evident. So I know they love me by the way they pursue and the way that they act and the way that they speak. And I know that God loves me by the way he pursues me and the way that he speaks of me and the way that he acts and the links that he'll go to to make sure that my heart is with his heart. And he's not shy about it, and he doesn't ever give up. He's relentless in his pursuit. So the word omnipresent, he's everywhere all the time, in your life, in your business over and over again is pretty self-explanatory, but omnipotent might take a little definition. Omnipotent is this. It's a deity having unlimited power, able to do anything. In 2 Corinthians, God speaks to us like this. He says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me. God loves to be a father. He loves to be a dad, and he loves to speak wonderful things to us. In Psalm 139, this is a Psalm of David, and David is speaking to God about us. He says, I praise you, God. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and wonderful are your works. Everyone say, I am wonderful. Everyone say it like you actually mean it. I am wonderful. See, you don't get to say anything else about you other than what God says about you. And anything that you say about you outside of what God says about you is not true. It is false. It might feel like it's real. It might feel like it's right, but it's not. You are wonderfully made, and your soul knows it quite well. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. And how precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast the sum of them. How do you get close to someone who's holy and how do we connect these two things? Now, I'm going to I'm gonna lean into the idea of God being a father this morning, but as we go through the weeks ahead, we're going to look at different facets of the personality of God and who God is because God loves the world. God loves the world. Emphasis on God today. So if God loves the world and there's something in the physical called genetics, have you ever heard of it? It's how you get your hair, your eye color, your skin tone, your frame, your makeup, even your personality. You can live far away from your biological parents and come in contact with them years later. This isn't the case in my life. And I found, well, I have, some, I have the same kind of eye color as my, as my dad, who's, who was, like, far away from me for most of my life. I have some of his personality, which my mother doesn't like. Some of the sarcastic personality that, because my mom is sweet, you know? My, my dad has the sarcasm, and so my brother and I inherited that, a large dose. It's genetic. It's in our genetic code, okay? It's, it's about the way that you live and the way that you are. If you're away from your parents and you're adopted, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. To be adopted is to be the daughter that he chose. To be adopted is to be chosen by a family, and, and you get to live a life that might, might be different and better than anything you could have imagined before. But to be away from the genetic code might leave you in a place where you don't understand like some, some family health history or if you ever would need a blood transfusion or something like that. You know, it, it limits you to understand who you are fully. And I just wanted to say, God, he gives us, can, can the genetic code of God be inherited? Yes, because it's spiritual. It's a spiritual genetic code. And God already promises, and next week this is what we're going to talk about fully, but God lets us inherit his heart, his mind, and his spirit, okay? Those things belong to you as a believer, but maybe you don't know, and maybe you don't know how to tap into because God loved the world so much that he left you his genetic code spiritually. You have the mind of Christ, and we're going to unpack all that next week. But just for today, if, if you're away from God, how are you ever going to live your life to the fullest of the potential that he's called you for? How are you ever going to understand who you are why you think the way you do, why you're made the way that you are if you're not close to God. You know, I had a friend yesterday say a statement that was really awesome. She saw something on social media that backed up her life and she said, is this what it's like when you're open? When you're open to the things of God, when you, when you cross that threshold and you start to be open to what God is trying to say, is this what it's like? He shows you himself over and over again. He speaks to you through random things constantly. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. And it's profound. And so I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk like this. You know, people say they don't want to follow God because they want to be free. Free to make their own choices and free to do their own thing, you know. It's like when your kids move out of your house. Your kids move out of your house because they don't want to live under your rules, your structure, you know, your, the way you do it there. They want to be free. And I'm just going to say they don't want to be free to go be more contributing members of society, They don't want to be free out of your house so that they can be more righteous and do good things. They don't move out of your house so they can tidy up their own home and get all their laundry done and all that. They move out of your house to be a conformist to the world. Yeah. See, you think you're going for freedom to get away from the rules and regulations, but what you're really doing is you're going out to conform to the way the world looks at freedom what freedom is. When God, if you can live in the freedom of God and understand his DNA and his plan, then you start to live in how he's made you unique to live your life with your gifting and your calling and not to be conforming to the way the world goes. Mm, God's a good, that's who he is. He loves the world so much in his magnanimous gestures. He wants you to live a life of actual freedom in who you are and who you're meant to be, right? He is freedom. He is love. I really like these messages. I hope that you stick with us for a few weeks and unpack them. So choosing freedom and identity outside of God causes conformity to the world. But God's freedom is going to lead you to your own unique calling. So secondly, what is love? I'm just going to unpack a few ideas to get us set up for studying these things deeply the next few weeks, okay? The second thing, what is love? You know, it's like I was saying, love is a mystery. Really? Really? It's an illusion to us most of the time. We don't understand. The love that we see in humanity is filled with conditions. I'll love you if you act right. I love you if you have a performance level that sustains me. I love you if you're being good and if it suits my needs. I love you if you're paying attention to me, and I love you if you're around me and giving me what I need and what I want. That's the kind of love that we are used to. But the love of God transcends all of that the love of God loves you without a condition. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're broken, if you're sitting there and you know what you did last night. And I don't know, but he knows and he saw and he loves you anyway. And this morning in Sunday school, we were talking about erring on the side of grace. Grace is not the same thing as love, but grace is there because of love. What was that phrase? Sometimes we sit in the lounge chair of grace. We lounge in grace and not, not acknowledging who God is on the legal side of things. Is there a legal side? There sure is. There's a complete and utter penalty for sin. It's called death. There's an utter sting whenever we live outside of God's plan and his rules and his heart for us as, his, as our father. But there's a grace and love that is way bigger than the pain or the sting, or the wage of sin and death. Love conquers death. Love conquers sin. Love conquers everything. And he's not just a lover. He is love. What is the definition of love? Let's look at that. It's an intense feeling of deep affection. Is that what it is? An intense feeling of deep affection. Now, God has intense feelings of affection for you, just like you would have deep affectionate feelings for your family and your your children. But he doesn't only have this feeling. He is that feeling. You have to you have to get your mind around that. He doesn't just love you. He is love for you, okay? So I want to talk about babies for a sec. I want to talk about babies. Babies offer us nothing. It seems fitting to talk about babies. This morning It's going to be a grandma again. That's so exciting. You better get that Facebook post up before you put this thing up so you can have your own announcement. Sorry about that. I love you. Um, but because of it, I understand a baby. It's like I've raised three kids, and now I'm watching these grandkids start to come, and it's it's awesome. But a baby really can't do anything, you know. And when they can do something, they're being menacing, you know. I'm mean, I got a little 15 month old baby and a little two and a half year old um, grand nephew that I have, and and they can't even they still can't really even talk to us, not completely. Little fragments of sentences and little bits and pieces and my brother said this this morning too in Sunday school you know whatever they do when they start to exhibit their own will and that's where they're at right now at one and two they can exhibit their own will temper tantrum man they you know a child you can be taking them for ice cream i'm not saying this is a true story that really happened but you can be taking them for ice cream and they can dead weight drop their body and you're you're holding them and all of a sudden they dead drop their weight i'm like you have ice cream and you're with your grandma what is wrong with you? You know? Oh, is it too hot? I don't, I mean, I don't know what would cause such a horrible reaction, but you know what? I Scoop her up, carry her while she cries and go back to the car and, and just deal with it. But you know what? I never run out of grace for her and God never runs out of that for us. I know we think it's impossible because we know ourselves, and there, there will come a point when you keep seeking him and seeking his love and getting close to it that you will actually step over into the place where you never look back at anything else but him once you've experienced it. It's impossible not to be addicted to it and to keep it forever and ever. And I think, like, to understand, you know, the love of God the holiness of god the love of god something infinitely holy to be up close and personal with us we love our little bit see it's perfect demonstration of what i'm talking about and the grace of a mommy to just deal with it so you can't see the way that god loves you but you also can't see wind okay i love this i love this idea wind is the thing that moves trees you might think you sit and look at the beauty of trees blowing and i love that in our backyard there's trees i i can see the movement of the leaves well leaves can't move by themselves they move because of the wind and it's the same thing with the love of god you can see it by the action and the heart and the intention of other people all the time but you can't you can't tangibly get your eyes around when but you know that it's there because of the effect of it right I heard someone say a pastor that I follow, Erwin McManus. He just wrote a new book called *The Genius of Jesus*. It's so good, and in it he talks about how how wind is the effect on of movement in the earth. You feel it on your on your skin, on your hair. You see it, and in, and in you see the power of it in huge storms. You see a little bit of it when it blows the the grass and the and the leaves. But if you can understand that that the church The way that the church operates and moves is the evidence of God's love to the whole earth. Now, just hold on to that for a second. The evidence of the action of the church is the experience the world has about God and his love. That's a lot of responsibility on us. The responsibility we put back on God and we act accordingly, we follow him by living a life that's worthy of emulating because if the whole world, if we're the wind, in essence, that causes people to see the love of God, that is the whole desire of God. You'll say God is love. God is, I said see. God is love. God is freedom. God is desire. So as God has a desire that you might know him and love him, that you might exchange your life for his life, and that you might look at him and lock eyes with him and begin to understand who you are, he does have that desire. And ultimately, that is the desire. That's ultimately it, that you would know him. But if you can think past that, God doesn't want it to just stop there. Well, I'm saved. The rest of the world can go to hell in a handbasket because this is what I'm going to do. That wouldn't be anything about the love of God. That would just be a tiny, tiny piece. That's how that's an infant. I got my ice cream and now I'm gonna dead drop my weight right on right in this spot. But God wants us to not only reconcile with Him, His heart is that we would reconcile with each other. And the church is gonna be where everything starts. If you gotta hang up, if you don't like somebody, you need to forgive somebody. Then you need to get busy, get on your knees, be asking God to give his heart, his spirit, his DNA to you that you might move in the love of God. The time is short, you guys. Look around the world. And not only would he want us to reconcile with each other, then our whole job as a Christian is reconciliation of the world to God. If you're looking for a new message, I don't have one. I just have the same old Jesus and the same old Bible, and the same old gospel that still changes your same old life. But you have to step in. Come on in to the presence and the, and the, and the love of God that will transform you. It will completely and utterly transform you. This is making sense to anybody's mind except for mine. I felt like we're talking about things that we think we already know. But if we already know, we would be acting accordingly. Now, look around. Is there a seat near you? Okay. covid we can deal with it now we can sit six feet apart we can mask ourselves if that's something we need to do who do you know that needs the love of god why have you not opened your mouth to give the love of god to somebody near you you know when i i've invited a lot of people to church a lot Hundreds and hundreds of people. And I'm not saying that church is the be-all, end-all, but you're getting a lot of good news in here this morning. You're getting a lot of equipment, a lot of love, a whole lot of grace. I'd rather err on the side of grace every single time we teach, you know, because that will lead people to repentance. I believe that. The kindness of God leads people to repent. Repentance doesn't mean saying, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I promise I'll never do that again. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, God. God, if you help me out of this, if you help me out of this, God, I promise I'll serve you. That is not repentance. That is begging in your sad, sorry little way because you failed again, okay? Repentance is changing your mind and deciding, I am not going to live in that direction. I'm going to repent and I'm going to live in that direction for the rest of my life. And if I mess up, God, forgive me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry the smallest that I am who can deliver me from this body of death I fall back on your grace again you are grace I fall back onto your love again you are love I come back to your freedom again you are freedom God help me walk in that again okay right God so loved the world and for a few minutes today I wanted to talk about the world and you guys I know that God doesn't I know that God doesn't love the chaos that's going on here. I understand that. You know, when we're singing these songs this morning, especially that second one, you don't know how, I don't know how you're gonna make away God, but I know you will. You know what I was thinking about? I was thanking God that I live in St. Louis, Missouri in the United States of America and that I'm not an Afghan refugee. If you haven't looked at that, it's a very devastating situation, you know? It's like Vietnam all over again. We're we're here to help. Oh and now we're not. You know, I'm I'm not we're not a political church. Well we, we really are. We have a lot of political opinion, but we don't we don't get on a soapbox like that because our politics are in the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom we're trying to build. We believe that whosoever will will come come to God. But when you're looking at Afghanistan, just for a sec, it's like you know, there's so many varying opinions, and, and there's usually two sides. But if you're looking at the loss of life right now, when, when all it takes for evil to happen is for good men to stand by and do nothing. So when when you've been the United States and you've had a power in the middle of a country that forbid evil from happening, and then you remove yourself, well, what, you know, what do I know? That's way above my pay grade. I'm here to pastor and shepherd the sheep in this area of St. Louis, and I'll do my best. I'll do it to, to my... Most as long as God gives me words to speak in a heart to do it but somewhere powers that be thought it a good idea to remove protection and so the Taliban in short has taken over cabal and the president has fled for his life and people are being raped and killed and, and murdered now no here's what I do know I I know missionaries that are undercover in countries like that that risk their lives to preach the gospel that we take for granted Man, that's heavy. I mean, I can barely stand up under knowing that, you know. The the, the gospel, I take for granted. People risk their lives to tell. And people risk their lives to gather in secret and sing songs to God because God loves the world. If you were born in the United States, you hit the lottery from where to live in your address. Wherever it is in this country, you hit the lottery because you didn't pick it. That was selected for you. God set you where you are. And thank God for it. This should, this should spark gratitude in our lives, in our hearts toward God. And it should also spark us to prayer because prayer is not some meek little weak thing that we do. Prayer is a weapon in the hands of a believer. And when you understand that you're lifting up prayer to God on behalf of people on the other side of the world that are now being raped and plundered and killed, then your heart should get a little soft. And not just care about your salvation and your reconciliation with God. Because the Bible says the love of God, that love that we're talking about that is unconditional, that, that is the presence of love in your life, that you feel by the pursuit of God, that you, that you live in because of the action of God on your life. When you understand that that love has been shed abroad in your heart, that love has been poured on your heart as a believer, and you hear reports like that, you should hit your knees And call out to the God that loves you for mercy on the the people who are suffering and for wisdom on the governments that are making decisions. Because whoever the powers that be are that set things in motion, God is above that. God has a plan when the world is on fire. It's not like he doesn't know. But I'll tell you this, when the gospel flourishes, it's because it's being persecuted and when we're lazy in it, and we don't seek God or pursue him, when you say you love God, do you pursue God? If you say you love God, do you seek him? Are you are you looking for what he's trying to say and speak to you? Because there's an invitation open, but there's also Facebook and TikTok and, and the next series to watch, and we get distracted. You guys, I'm not speaking a condemning message. I'm just saying, come away, beloved, just for a couple minutes, just for a little while, and let me speak to your heart about who you are, about how much I love you, how my affection is for you. Haiti. It's like, my God, what happened in Haiti? They're having another, another earthquake, another one. It's devastating. People are starving, you know. What am I supposed to do about that, Lisa, all the way on the other side of the world? But the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. If it makes you angry and if it gets you upset, maybe you should get on the ground there. Maybe God's stirring something in your heart for a mission, for how to feed or how to protect or how to send money or resources or get your feet busy. At the very least, he's calling you to arms to pray at the very least, where God so loved the world. Whew. How epic of a thought that we could have the fullness of the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ in us. How huge is that thought? Let me read you a little bit of Ephesians. Will you stand up with me to honor God's word? Read with me. You lean in. You know, we just finished a whole series in the book of Acts. This is some of the Letters that were written during the time in Acts, and it will fill in some of the holes for you if you go back and read it. I'm going to read, just I'm going to skim over this, because I don't know that you read the Bible this week, and I want to make sure that you get some in there. For this reason, I, Paul, Paul wrote this book, the prisoner of Christ, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the dispensation of grace for which God has given me for you. If that sounds boring, let me just say what it is. God gave Paul grace to be able to invite the Gentiles into the mix. Just like God gives grace to a believer to invite you into the mix, into the family of God, into his kingdom. There's a, a, a grace that's given. That's what that big word dispensation means. Verse, verse 3, that by the revelation, God made known to me the mystery that I've briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? That he loves you, that God so loved the world. Which in other ages, it was not made known to the sons of men, but it has been made now, known now and revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, the Gentiles would be fellow heirs, blah, 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 go down to verse 8. Now to me, who am the least, I'm less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I would preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of the ages that has been hidden in God and created, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the church by the principalities and wisdom of heavenly places. If you're not getting this, God is speaking that his wisdom is available to you. It's like throw the microphone down. The wisdom of God is available to you and for you. Verse 11, according to God's eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we also have boldness and access with confidence through him through faith in him that we ask you do not lose heart in tribulation that's your glory and for this reason now I bow my knee to the father and here's the whole part in verse 15 that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might I'm asking God that he might strengthen you with his might this morning can you receive that Can you receive? That's an incredible word. That you might be strengthened with his might through the Holy Spirit in your inner man. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. That you would be rooted and grounded in what? In love. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints that is, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height of his love. To know the love of Christ, it passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You can sit down. It ends up saying, to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that works in us. God can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you ask according to his power. Do you know how long Stacy and TJ believe her life? It's, a, it's an incredible miracle of God to see. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask, all that we hope for, and all that we think. And we can be filled with the love of God. Here in Romans 5, lean into this. It says, therefore, since we've been justified... Through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith and to his grace, and we stand in it. So we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we rejoice in suffering when things are hard. How do you rejoice in suffering? How do you have a close relationship with the holy God? You have to fall into the lounge chair of grace into the arms of love and to let yourself understand that God loved the world so much that he gave his son Verse 4, perseverance, character, Perseverance, perseverance and character, and character, hope. These are the things that come from suffering, okay? We know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. God intends for you to be reconciled to him, to be reconciled to each other, and for you to be the instrument of reconciliation in the earth today, for God so loved the world. Mm-hmm. You guys, the love of God is a is a leveler. You know, seven seven billion eight hundred million people on the planet. Sometimes when you live in the United States, you think that God so loved the United States. There's three hundred something million people that live in the United States. billion in the world, and God loves everybody. It's time to figure out who we are and the equipment that we have on the inside of us. It's time for us to believe in the God that made us, that he loved the world so much, he put his love on the inside of you. Now, who are you loving in your life? And I could say it like this, and we've said it like this before. Who do you hate enough to withhold the gospel? Who do you wish... For death, suffering, for a a place in hell to burn and never be satisfied. There's nobody you hate that much. (laughs) If there is, you need deliverance. God so loved the world. Now look, we've told this story before too, and it's one of our favorites. You know, I have a daughter sitting here. And man, I would give my life for her life. Wouldn't even have to think about it. And the Bible even talks about this. A lot of people might consider giving their life for a good person. But for an evil person, no. No one would give their life. No way. But her, would I give her life for your life? Would I give my daughter's life for your life? No way. If it was was up to me to decide if it's her life or your life, you're gone. Okay? That's just it. There's nobody that, that's going to be preferred over her. But but if she came to me and she said, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. Kenny, what if it's you? What, what if God, you know, what if there was a condition in you, in your heart, and you needed a heart transplant, and only Stacy could do it? And I would be like, no way, dude, you're gone. But but what if Stacy said, I want to do it? I I would be like, you want to do that? You want to give your life for his life? And she said, I do. I want to. I want to do that. And if she did that, is there anything I would ever not do for you for the rest of your life? Would I not follow you around and pursue you? Would I not protect you completely? Would I not give you everything you ever needed or wanted? Yeah, I would. Because my daughter's heart would be in your heart. You see that? That's the love of God for people. That's the love of God for yourself. But you've got to come to repentance this morning. Change your mind about how you've been living it and give it back to God. For God so loved the world he gave his son that whoever believed would, would never die but inherit eternal life. I love you guys. Bless you. And I'll see you next time. Okay. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of The Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with a loft, you can give on givelify.com If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 10.30 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.